Amen. I'm going to turn your attention to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. The book of 1 Kings chapter 17 and beginning with verse 1. It is such a wonderful joy to be able to, to just work alongside our dear friends, Pastor and Sister Sizemore. And I just absolutely love the great unity and, and love that we have in this city among our churches. And, and uh, God has just, just blessed this city immensely, immensely. First Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Verse number five. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Hallelujah. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, faith in the midst of a famine. Faith in the midst of a famine. We lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the word as it goes forth. Lord, I thank you for every person that is gathered here today. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the miracle working power that you manifest daily in our lives. Lord, we humble ourselves before you and before your word today. We are so undeserving. We are so undeserving. Yet you and your loving kindness and tender mercies, you reach to us. And you bless us beyond what we can even imagine, Lord, and we praise you for that. And we ask your blessing and anointing upon the preaching of the word this morning. And we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. And the church said, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Can we give this great worship team a great big hand clap? God bless them. What a powerful, powerful time in the presence of the Lord. Jesus took his three disciples that were, perhaps you could say they were his inner circle. For whatever reason, God, God really entrusted a lot to Peter, James, and John while he walked this earth. And Jesus um, was preparing them, no doubt, for their role in the future of the church. After he would ascend and pour out his spirit, the church would uh, continue on and and. And Peter, James, and John were right there in the center of it all and, and really kind of determining what, what happened. They were, they were kind of leading the way. And, and that began really in the earthly ministry of Jesus. And, and while Jesus was operating, he would oftentimes bring them in and, and let them have kind of a front row seat to what he was doing. And that happened on this particular day uh, that I'm going to tell you about. He took them to a mountain, a mountain that we have come to know traditionally as the Mount of Transfiguration. It was a moment where Jesus was uh, going to uh, show them something, give them uh, exposure to something that, that would absolutely uh, have an impact on anybody's life of an immeasurable nature. 
And so as they, as they did, uh, they went to this Mount of Transfiguration, and there was Jesus. And, and the Bible says that while he stood before them, that, that he was accompanied by Moses and Elijah, and they were translucent. They were transfigured. They, they stood there together. Now, that would be a, an amazing thing to see, no question. Uh, and, and Peter, James, and John, they, they were blown away by this. Peter made the statement, it is good that we are here. Uh, that's kind of, kind of an understatement, really. I mean, you think? Yeah, it's, it is good that we are able to be exposed to this. But that's what the Lord did. And it's an interesting thing, Moses and Elijah, these, these two amazing men of the Old Testament uh, who were so integral in uh, forming our understanding of the coming of Messiah. Uh, Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. Elijah's nature, Elijah's status, if you please, while he's on that Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Moses. And the Bible says that they were speaking of the impending crucifixion that Jesus was going to experience. And, and so Moses is there and Elijah is there. Now we know the significance of Moses. He received the law and he handed down the law to Israel. And that law serves as the basis and the premise really for, for all uh, common law. And it, it absolutely was an amazing law. And to this day, they, they can try all they want to move God from uh, society. But, but as long as there is some law in the land, you, you're going to have the fingerprints of God on society. And, and you can't remove God from the earth he created. Man, man can't remove God from the earth he created. And so, so Moses is there, and, and it really does tell us the significance of Elijah because of the fact that he's standing there with with Moses, and it, it there there have this equal footing in terms of significance, and uh, and and perhaps that is perhaps that is uh, relative to the fact that Elijah was so greatly used of God at a significant time in Israel's history. He reemerges in the Scriptures as a very important uh, figure. Uh, Moses was escorted by God into the valley of Moab. Now, he died there, but nobody knows where he was buried because the Lord buried him, and nobody can find his grave. And Elijah was escorted by the Lord via a chariot of fire and caught up into the heavens to the, to the point that Elijah never did actually die. And so he, he never did die. He never did go by way of, of the grave. And so he's carried up into a chariot of fire. Moses is escorted by God into the valley of Moab. He dies, but, but, but it's a mysterious burial. And, uh, and so it's just a unique situation. These guys have something in common. And so th in terms of how the Lord escorted them the last day they lived on earth. And so here they are talking with Jesus about his upcoming crucifixion. And it just gives you a sense of the significance of Elijah. Jesus, while he was... Uh, on the cross, made several statements. But one that was very confusing to people was when he cried with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Uh, and they didn't actually understand what he was saying. Many people, many people thought he was crying out for the prophet Elijah. And they said, this man calls for Elijah the prophet. What he was saying was he was quoting this 22nd Psalm 
which was a messianic prophecy concerning his crucifixion. And he was actually crying out, saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And really what he was doing was he was letting it be known that that psalm and that prophecy was being fulfilled in this moment of his crucifixion. That that, that, that body that he had on earth uh, had become and was made the sin of mankind. And, and because he was made to be sin, he was forsaken in that moment. Aren't you thankful that God took your forsakenness and you don't have to be forsaken? God took your punishment and you don't have to receive the punishment if you will, in fact, have faith in him and obey his word. So, so they thought he cries out for the prophet Elijah. There's a reason why they thought he cried out for the prophet Elijah. It's the same reason that when he asked the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, and some people said, people started raising their hands saying, I heard somebody say you were Jeremiah. Uh, I was, you know, at the store the other day and somebody said they thought you were, uh, uh, you know, John the Baptist or one of the prophets. And, and then somebody said, uh, I, I've heard somebody say you are Elijah. And, and there's a reason why people were saying maybe he's Elijah. The reason is because the prophet Malachi prophesied that Elijah would come into the world again before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. And that he would prepare the hearts of men. Specifically, he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. He was going to bring about a way for there to be a reconciliation. And so the prophet Malachi prophesied this. And this is, even to this day, in the hearts and minds of the Jewish people, that the prophet Elijah is to come. But, but Jesus, when he walked the earth, explained you're waiting for the prophet Elijah to walk on the earth, but you need to understand he's already come and he's already gone. Because the prophet Elijah came back, if you please, in spirit and in the context of his purpose. The spirit of Elijah or the ministry of Elijah, the purpose of Elijah, came back in the form of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a ministry that was similar to that of Elijah. John the Baptist's ministry was, it was not a popular ministry. It got him beheaded. It was not one that people readily uh, uh, embraced because it was so confrontational. It wasn't, hey, let's all get along. It wasn't, I'm okay, you're okay. It wasn't, you're perfectly fine believing what you want to believe. Just keep sending offerings. Just keep praising me. Just keep popularizing me. No, no. It was a very stern and strong message, and it was a crossroads message of repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He brought people to the crossroads, the intersection of, am I going to live for God or am I not going to live for God? And so his message was simply repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that was truly the message of the prophet Elijah. When we look at this verse of scripture, now remember, he's standing on the Mount of Transfiguration in the book of Matthew chapter 17 with the prophet Moses. And so we see his status. We've got Moses and, and then we've got Elijah. We've got the law represented. We've got the prophets represented. We, we see the status of this man, Elijah. 
But look at 1 Kings 17:1, the description that comes with the prophet Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Wow, that's quite a resume. That's quite an amazing pedigree. Except that it's not. It's nothing like many of the other prophets. There were, there were many prophets who had, who had remarkable resume and pedigree. And, and you, could, you could go through the genealogies and the lineages and you could see where people descended and what they descended from. And some people had this rich and glorious and illustrious heritage and history. And here is Elijah and all we know about his history is that he was a Tishbite, and he was of the inhabitants of Gilead. He didn't have a, a, a tremendous amount of background or resume to speak of. He was, he was of the inhabitants of Gilead. But the Bible says that he, based on that, that premise, he said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. And I want you to understand, you're going to have to get used to that language when you're talking about the prophet Elijah. Because the prophet Elijah did not preach on his own merits. He did not prophesy based on his own abilities, based on his own ideas. No, no, everything that he said, everything that he did, he did it as the Lord God liveth. And we're going to have to understand that we are powerless without God. We're going to have to come to terms with the fact that without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we would but fail. We would be like a ship without a sail. Oh, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He said, as the Lord God liveth before whom I stand. And now he's not just of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now he's not just a Tishbite. Now he stands before the Lord God and says, just as sure as the Lord is alive. And ladies and gentlemen, he is alive. That is the basis for our message even today is the fact that he is not dead, but he is risen and is alive forevermore. So when I preach to you about a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, I do so saying, as the Lord God liveth, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. As the Lord God liveth before whom I stand. And he's getting ready to preach the crux of his whole message and the message that he has to deliver. And here it is. Are you ready? Very in, just inspiring message that he has. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. All right, God bless you. You can be dismissed. It's so good to see you today and have a wonderful day. What a positive, uplifting message that was. There shall be no dew. There shall be no rain until I say so. Uh, very nice to meet you, King Ahab. The best of luck to you over the course of however long this is going to be. And so, so this, you know, it, it, it would seem that he's crazy. It would you'd be easy to just dismiss him and pretend that he's just some crazy guy claiming to be a prophet. But then the rain stopped. But then, then the, dew, the dew ceased. It wasn't even wet in the mornings. And there was no dew and there was no rain for the space of three and a half years, 
But, but they didn't know how long it was going to be. Elijah said, according to my word, there's not going to be dew, there's not going to be rain until I say so. That was the message of Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. That was the message of John the Baptist. Repent. Do you know what repent means? Repent means turn away from this world. And I want you to know that before we can go any further in God, we're going to have to understand that there is famine in this land. We're going to have to adopt and embrace and understand that message that this world has nothing to offer us of any spiritual value. And until we understand that, we're going to continue to struggle in our walk with God. We're going to continue to struggle in this life. But the message of Elijah is, listen, I know you're putting your confidence in the ecosystem of this world, but this world's ecosystem is coming to a halt and there shall be no dew and there shall be no rain for an indefinite period of time. Now God was allowing famine to come and the reason God was allowing famine to come is because man was filled with idolatry. His own people were worshiping the gods of Baal. And the Baalish gods were considered to be gods of weather and gods of environment. And so as long as the rain came, they continued to worship Baal. As long as the dew showed up every morning, they continued to worship Baal. As long as the fruit grew and as long as the crops came in, they, they ignored God and they worshiped Baal. And they would give all of their allegiance to Baal. And they would sacrifice their children to Baal. And they would give all of their heart to Baal. And God said, Baal has eyes but can't see. Baal has ears but can't hear. Baal has hands but can't heal. Baal has feet but can't come to you when you are in need. And you're worshiping a false God. And I want you to know something. He is a jealous God. I said the Lord is a jealous God. He's not envious. No, no, don't get that confused. There's a difference between envy and jealousy. Envy means he wants something you have that he doesn't have. That's not, that's not God. God is jealous with what Paul called a godly jealousy. He wants all of our love. He wants all of our devotion. He wants all of our friendship and fellowship. And you want to know why? It's not because he's an egomaniac who's standing up on his throne saying just keep on praising me praise me more praise me more no no that's 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 not it he just knows his thoughts for you how that he has so much peace and so much joy and so much love and so much power and he can't give it to you if you are worshiping other gods and so he's a jealous god He's so jealous, the Bible says his name is jealousy. 
His name is I am. That's his name. Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He said, you tell them, I am hath sent you. That's a jealous name. Not, not me and other people. No, I am. Not Baal and I. No, I am. Not Molech and I. I am. I am. I, who's my healer? I am. Who's my savior? I am. Who's my deliverer? I am. He's a jealous God. And when we put our hearts and our affections upon other things, the jealousy of God begins to rise. And there is a moment at which the famine will begin. And I, I want you to understand that God has put spiritual famine on this earth. And this is why people's hearts are failing them for fear. Because they're looking for spiritual satisfaction in things that cannot offer spiritual satisfaction. They're putting their faith in things that cannot give them joy. They're putting their faith in things that cannot bring peace of mind. They're putting their faith in things that cannot heal their hurting heart. Hallelujah. And it's never going to heal their hurting heart. And it'll never heal your hurting heart. And the message you better know before you think about anything else is that there is famine in this land. There's famine in this world. You're not going to get fulfillment from any relationship outside the relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do you think that suicide is on the rise among children? Because they're looking for love in all the wrong places. And you won't find it in anything but Jesus Christ. I rebuke that spirit of suicide. It has no hold on you. It has no hold on you. You have a beautiful life in front of you. You have a wonderful future in front of you. You have the blessing of the Lord waiting on you. You have the goodness and the glory and the grace and the love and the power and the peace and the joy of God that just wants to overflow your home and your heart and your beautiful children that God raises up unto you will thank you that you never did commit suicide and your beautiful family that awaits you your grandchildren somebody hear what I'm preaching to you today I'm telling you that there's famine in this land there's no dew there's no rain but here's the thing about the prophet Elijah that's so interesting he prophesies there's not going to be any dew there's not going to be any rain and then the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto him saying get hence turn the eastward hide yourself at the brook Cherith, which is, which is beyond Jordan. And so, so he goes to the brook Cherith by Jordan. And the Bible says that while he sat there, that the ravens brought him bread and brought him flesh or meat. Hallelujah. They were bringing him meat and potatoes. They were bringing him potato salad and turkey. Honey baked ham, Brother Colbert. And, uh, and, and Elijah, listen, there's famine in the land, but Elijah is eating like a king. There's famine in the land, but Elijah is faring sumptuously. There's famine in the land. Here's what I'm trying to tell the people of God. There is famine in this land as we speak, but here we are in his presence where there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Hey, you you know what? 
people aren't supposed to feel joy in 2021, but I feel joy in the house of God. People aren't supposed to face each day with confidence, but I face each day confident that the Lord is on my side. Hallelujah, that his right hand leads me and protects me. People aren't supposed to love each other, but we love each other. People aren't supposed to forgive one another, but we forgive one another. Hey. Inflation is on the rise. Costs are escalating. The economy is, is teetering. People aren't supposed to be building buildings. But we have faith in the time of famine. And God, God is providing because Elijah, you go ahead and eat what the ravens bring you. Did you know that God will bring you sustenance from the unlikeliest of sources? The ravens. Ravens were an unclean bird. This was an unclean animal that, that, that Elijah would never have even interacted with. But here comes a raven with divine provision in its beak. And, and the raven is a devouring bird. So the raven should have eaten everything. But instead, it brings it to Elijah and says, look, I've had enough. Ravens never have enough. Ravens are crows. They're vultures. They eat and gobble up anything they can get a hold of. But God put a check inside that raven and said, all right, you've had enough. I want you to take the rest to the prophet. God will command nature to begin to bless you. God will be, my Lord have mercy. I want you to know something. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. They won't even know why. They'll just come flying wherever you are and say, I don't understand this, but I feel compelled to give this to you. What's happening? You are experiencing the blessing of the Lord in a dry and thirsty land. Don't you know we are miracle people? Hell, don't ever say I'm only human ever again. Yes, you're human, but you're not only human. You are human with the Holy Ghost. You are human with the favor of God on you. Now don't let that go to your head and don't get self-righteous and don't get arrogant and start acting like you're better than anybody. We're not better than anybody, but God is good. And if you'll stay humble before him and obey him, he will open the windows of heaven. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I have faith in the midst of a famine. No, I'm sorry. I'm not discouraged by where our world is right now. I'm not discouraged by it. It's the greatest day of the church. It's the greatest day of the church. No, I'm not afraid of what's going on in our world. I'm not depressed by what's going on in our world. It just means we've got work to do. We've got a gospel to preach. We've got people to reach. And while people are scurrying and scrambling, trying to figure out what to do next, the church is built on the rock. 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and, and ravens, the unlikeliest of sources. Do you know how many pastors I have talked to in recent days, recent days, who have said that people have come out of the woodwork to bless the ministry that they are involved in. People who don't even come to church. They've had people who used to come to church who backslid and turned their heart against the Lord and something got a hold of them and they came back. One man said, said, I can't, I don't even know what's going on right now, but I feel compelled to give to the church $20,000. The man, the man turned his back on God years ago, but something's getting into his spirit. Something's, something's getting into his heart. That's Elijah sitting by the brook just doing what God told him to do. And the ravens start circling saying, we don't know why we're here, but we feel like we feel like we have to give you something. We feel like we have to, and it's not always going to be money. Sometimes it's going to be a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's just going to be a confirmation that the Lord is with you, that he's by your side, that you're not alone. Hallelujah. This is what happened to the people of God in Egypt while the plagues were multiplying across the land of Egypt. The Lord carved out a little area called Goshen and said, I want you to live there. Because I'm going to bless you there. You better go where God says go. You better, you better stay where God says stay. Don't you get out from under his pavilion. I can hear the word of the Lord say. Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies. My God. My God, the psalmist David is sitting down at a table and there are enemies circling him. They've got knives and he's got a knife too, but he's got a knife and a fork. And he's eating in the presence of his enemies. Hallelujah. I said he's eating in the presence of his enemies. Cancer's lurking. Hear what I'm telling you. High blood pressure is lurking. Depression is nagging. And, and, and suicidal thoughts are creeping around. But here's David just... In the presence of his enemies. Hallelujah. In the presence of thou preparest a table before me. Let the enemies keep taunting. Let the enemies keep haunting. I've got faith in the midst of this family. My God. I rebuke that fear off of you in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. Hey, hey, listen. And, and you might be sitting there saying, well, speak for yourself, Brother Joel. I'm, I'm a little afraid of what I'm facing. Well, in the name of Jesus, let me, let me put a little Holy Ghost strength on you right now. Let me encourage you. If you're having trouble fighting that fear, we're going to get up under that burden with you. Amen. And say, the Lord thy God is with you. As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, he's alive and his word is true. I said he's alive and his word is true. You never got off base obeying God. You never stepped off track obeying God. You remember where you went off track is where you disobeyed God. That's all our story. That's all our stories. 
Every time, every time we disobeyed him, that's when things started to get unwieldy. But when we obeyed him, when we obeyed him, I said when we obeyed him. And I'm not telling you that bad things don't happen to good people. They, they absolutely can and they absolutely do. But, but I, I just don't know how to, let me say it like this. Even if something bad happens, God works it together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So it may have been bad, but it becomes good. I don't know how to explain that. I, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I'll just tell you. It's real. It's real. When you put your faith in God, even in the midst of a famine, your crops will grow and there's no rain. You'll have food and there's no rain. You'll have bread and and there's no rain. And, and, And the Bible says that he drank of the brook until the brook dried up. You know, that's a scary feeling. You're like, okay, this has been great. And then, and then the, brook, the brook starts kind of sinking lower and lower. And you're dipping your glass in there, and you're starting to get, like, mud in the glass. And you're thinking, okay, well, I, this was nice. I guess now time I start starving because there's no water in the brook. And so I wonder if there's anybody there this morning where you're by the brook, and you can tell by looking the brook is drying up. You can tell by, by listening. The boss is getting tired of you. You can tell. You can put your thumb in the wind. And you know which way the wind is blowing. And the brook is drying up. Your opportunities are starting to wane. It, it looks to you like the famine is actually getting ready to have an impact on your life. Even though you've been trusting God. You've been walking with God. You, hey, listen, Elijah. You're going to get up from that brook. For I have commanded a widow woman in Zidon, a widow of Zarephath, hallelujah, who is going to sustain you. The Lord, just like he commanded the ravens, he's going to command this little widow woman to sustain you. Here's what's awesome. She didn't even know the Lord commanded her to sustain the prophet Elijah. But the Lord had commanded her, and she was obeying the Lord's direction, and she didn't know it. So don't judge everything by the seeing of your eyes or the hearing of your ears. So if Elijah would have walked up to her and said, hey, did God tell you something about sustaining me? She probably would have said, no. No, he didn't tell me anything. Don't you love it when somebody tells you the Lord told them something about you, and you're like, well, I need him to tell me that too. So we'll wait and see when that happens. And, and so Elijah walks up and says, did, if, if he would have said, if he would have said, did the Lord tell you anything about sustaining me? She very likely would have said, no, the Lord didn't tell me anything about that. But Elijah didn't approach it that way. He didn't look for confirmation. He didn't look for validation. He simply obeyed the word of the Lord and he got up from the dry brook. Don't be afraid when the brook dries up. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when the source of your income ceases to be the source of your income. No, understand something. It doesn't matter who is writing the check. It's God providing the blessing. 
And if, and if he doesn't if he doesn't do it through them, he'll do it through them. But when you're trusting him and obeying him, you don't know where the food is going to come from, but you know God is in control. Has he ever left you in your time of need? I need a witness here tonight. I need a witness here today of somebody who can say, he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. We are going to unpry that fear off of your heart today with the word of the Lord. And you are going to be delivered from that fear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. And Elijah gets up and he goes to where the widow woman is. And he says to the widow woman, listen, fetch me water. And uh, if I could get a... If I could get a little cake, just a, you know, a little something to eat, a little morsel of bread, just a, just a piece. I, you know, that's pretty amazing to me. Elijah had to be hungry. He had to walk. I don't know when the last time the ravens brought lunch, but he had to be hungry. He had gone on a journey to get there. And when he gets there, the Bible says he asks for a morsel of bread, just a little bit. That's all he asked for was a little bit. And she said to him, look, I don't have enough I can't make you a little cake. I can't. I have a little bit of meal in the barrel, and I have a little cruise of oil. And, and it's really, truthfully, it's for me, and it's it's for my son. And, and we're gonna we're gonna eat it, and then we're gonna die. It's our very last meal. And Elijah is giving her an opportunity to step out of that. That, that famine that she's in. And he's saying, listen, I want you to do something. Give me water and then give me a, just a morsel of bread. Just a little piece of bread. I wonder if somebody today, hallelujah, I don't know how much you've got in the oven. I don't know how much you've got in the pantry. But if you could give God just a little morsel of praise today. If you could God give God a little, hallelujah, just a grain of a mustard seed of faith. God is trying, my God, I, I, I dare you to try it. I dare you to just say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I know that's not a whole big cake. Some people are out dancing and shouting and they've got so much joy. But maybe you could just throw up a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it'll start turning something around in your heart. It'll start turning something around in your spirit. He said, you give me a little morsel of that bread. Hallelujah. Just a little morsel of that bread. And the, when she did, Elijah said, all right, now here's what's going to happen. The oil is going to stay and the meal is not going to waste. Pay no attention to the expiration date. It's going to be good until the rain comes. I said it's going to be good until the rain comes. And the oil is going to stay until the rain comes. The Bible says that she ate and her son ate and Elijah ate for many days. Glory to God. And it stayed. It stayed. It wasted not until the rain came. And you know what? We get so perplexed, don't we? When, when things start running dry, like the brook running dry, we get nervous. Oh, my goodness, the, the brook is running dry. What am I going to do? Don't worry. He's got, a, he's got somebody that's going to sustain you. 
And then you go to this woman and you're like, she's going to sustain me. She doesn't have anything. We're a miracle people. We're a miracle. Don't you ever forget it. We are a miracle people. We believe in miracles. We've experienced miracles. We walk in miracles. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's why people call us to pray. Because they know we're a miracle believing people. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of his word. We believe in pleading the blood of Jesus. We believe that when we call on his name, Brother Jamie, we believe that when we call on his name, he'll hear our cry. Hallelujah, Brother Jonathan. We believe in miracles. Brother Tyreek, we believe in miracles. My God, don't you stop believing in miracles. The world needs the church to keep believing in the miracle working power of God. Brother Tom Halton, we believe in miracles. We believe in miracles. We believe in miracles. But, but, but we can get nervous. Listen, we can get nervous when the oil starts running out. And we can get nervous when the meal starts wasting. Because I've been eating that meal for the last three years. And now all of a sudden I'm noticing it's, it's, it's starting to go down. Where's the miracle? Listen, the meal is not going to waste until the rain comes. So if the meal is going down, it just means the rain is almost here. If the oil is starting to get low and don't get nervous, that just means the rain is coming. Woo, hallelujah. You can't lose with God. You can't lose with God. Hey, listen. We are so blessed in the United States of America that we have planned our lives to where we'll never need a miracle. We have insurance for absolutely everything. And, I'm, and you need to. Go ahead and get that insurance. God bless you. But don't think that that insurance replaces the miracle working power of God. We've got insurance for everything. We've got so many plans and places and preventatives just to make sure we never need a miracle. But our elders didn't used to have those things. And they experienced those kinds of miracles. We had elders who had long distances to drive just to support their families. And when they went to bed at night, they had no fuel in the car. But when they woke up in the morning, they had a full tank. We've got elders who had no food for Thanksgiving dinner and nobody was providing anything and somewhere out of the blue somebody rings the doorbell and there's bags of groceries on their front doorstep. Those are miracles and they come from God and he has all power and he loves you with an everlasting love. Faith in the midst of a famine. Faith in the midst of a crisis. Faith in the midst of a trial. Faith in the midst of famine in the land. Praise God. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 He's an on-time God. 
Yes, he is an on-time God. Don't you forget it, he's an on-time God. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. He knows what he's doing, and you can trust him. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Elijah, Elijah went, he finally did appear. You know, he was hiding at the widow's house, and he was hiding by the brook Cherith near Jordan. But he finally did appear in front of Ahab. And, and, and the Bible says, I love this. The Bible says that Elijah meets a man by the name of Obadiah. Obadiah was a prophet, and he was in Ahab's house. And Ahab trusted him. But Ahab was a prophet of God. And he was kind of on the down low-ish because... Because Ahab had a similar, Ahab, Ahab thought he was a, a, a believer in God, but he, he acquiesced everything over to Jezebel, and Jezebel had brought Baal worship into the land. And so, so Ahab was a hypocrite in reality, but he thought having Obadiah there was a good thing. So Obadiah is a prophet of the Lord. I don't know if it's the same Obadiah that wrote the minor prophet book or not. We don't know. But he was a prophet of God, and the Bible says that Elijah came across him, and when he came across him, he said, to Obadiah, I need you to go tell Ahab something. And Obadiah said, what do you want me to tell him? He said, tell him, behold, Elijah is here. Go tell him that Elijah is here. Just tell him. Elijah is here. I love that. That's just kind of cool. Just behold, Elijah is here. And he'll know what that means. And so Obadiah, Obadiah says, do you think I'm crazy? And are you trying to get me killed? He said, and then I love what he said here. Obadiah said, do you not remember that I hid a hundred prophets from Queen Jezebel when she was killing the prophets and slaying the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred prophets. In other words, haven't I done enough? And we do that, don't we, in the midst of a famine. We, we say, God, haven't I had to trust you enough? God, haven't I been through enough already? Haven't I, haven't, I already, haven't I already proven my faithfulness to you? Obadiah, we need you to do it again. Do you hear me today? If you've had to trust him before, you've got to trust him again. Whew. Don't, let the, don't let the times that you trusted him before serve as a, an excuse not to trust him now because you've trusted him before. But let this be an opportunity for you to say, the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion is the same God. Hallelujah, that delivered me out of the hand of the bear, Sister Buller. And the same God that did all of that for me back then He's going to deliver me out of the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. You hear what? We need to get a relationship with the same God. The same God that dried your tears those many years ago. He's going to do it again. The same God who healed your body and saved your loved one. He's going to do it again. Elijah brought the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. And I won't go through the entire story, but, but he let them try to conjure up a response from the Baal God. And, 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 and they could not. They cut themselves. They danced for hours. They, they did everything they could to try to create incantations and chantings and dancings. And, and, and they could not. Listen, they were worshiping a false god. And nothing responded to them. And Elijah said, let the God that answers by fire, whew, let him be God. 
He repaired the altar of the Lord. You've got to repair those altars that time has worn down. Build those altars of consecration up again. He repaired the altar of the Lord. He laid in order the stones, the 12 stones, and said, this is the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. He put Israel back in order. He brought the bullock and he cut it into pieces and laid it out upon the altar and offered it as a burnt sacrifice and said, listen, he said, he said, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And when the fire fell, it consumed that sacrifice that he laid out and it licked up all the water. He poured out 12 barrels of water, also signifying the nation of Israel. And the fire licked up the water that was around that altar. And when it happened, everybody knew who God really was. And Elijah said, it's time for the prophets of Baal to be slain. And he slew the prophets of Baal. And when he slew the very last false prophet, he said, go tell Ahab that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now when the rain is going to start falling in your life again. The rain is going to start falling when you get rid of that last voice of that final false prophet. You know who it is. I don't know who it is, but, but whoever you are and whatever you're dealing with, whatever voice is speaking to you contrary to the word of God, you need to step away from that voice. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season when a tree is bringing forth fruit and it's planted by rivers of water that means there's rain that means there's rain that comes to those who walk away from false doctrine that comes to those who walk away from false teaching and heresy and false prophets in their life you've got to walk away from those voices that are speaking counter to the truth of God and when that happens Elijah is going to say it. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Woo, hallelujah. Now they didn't hear anything. Nobody else could hear it, but the prophet of God could hear it. Hallelujah. He's a meteorologist of the highest order. It's coming. You may not see it. The birds might be, might be singing and the sun might be shining and everything may be dry and parched around you, but I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Woo, hallelujah. I don't know what's going on in your life and how dry and parched and thirsty things really are. But you need to go get your raincoat And you need to go get your rain boots And you need to go get your umbrella And you need to start living like it's raining You need to start living like you're blessed Living like God is on the throne And the enemy's on the run Let God arise And his enemies be scattered Oh, somebody believe it with me. Somebody believe it with me. Somebody believe it with me. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands and believe the word of the Lord with me today. Uh, thank you, Jesus. 
Come on, stand with me right now in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Musicians can come. God bless you. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. Lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. The Bible says that Elijah went to pray. Now, you've got to understand that there's been famine for three and a half years. And he knows that Israel has had their altar repaired. They don't have false prophets in their lives anymore. They're back in order. And he goes to the mountain to pray. And he's praying for rain. And every so often he would look at his servant and say, go see if there's rain. The servant would go and come back and say, there's no rain. He'd pray again, go see if there's rain. The servant came back and said, there's no rain. Again, and again, and again, and again. And on the seventh time, he said, wait, there is a cloud rising out of the sea like a man's hand. I don't know, we say the cloud the size of a man's hand. That's not what the Bible says. It just said it's rising up out of the sea like a man's hand. I don't know what that means. It may have been the size of a man's hand. It might have been like a big old arm coming up out of the water. I don't know. It just came up out of the water like a man's hand. And Elijah said, there it is. That's the rain. I'm going to tell you something. Regardless of what you are experiencing and regardless of what the cloud may look like or how little how little the improvement may be, how little the blessing may be, how little the cloud may be, claim it. That's it. That's the rain. That's the rain. Yeah, but it's just a morsel of bread. That's all it has to be. It's the rain. The rain is coming. Yeah, but all they did was say that they've been reading their Bible. That's it. That's all I need. It's the rain. The clouds, the clouds, the clouds. All I need, Brother Cole, is one cloud, like a man's hand coming up out of that water. And, and, and by the time Elijah came off of that mountain, the Bible said that the skies were black with clouds. Thunder was rolling and lightning was flashing and rain was falling. And it was only a matter of time that crops would be growing. <laughs> Can you see it? Listen, listen, listen to me now. Because the servant went up once and there was nothing. And the servant went up twice and there was nothing. And the servant went up a third time and there was nothing. And you may have gone up multiple times to see, is there any improvement? Is there any change? Is anything getting better? And you keep coming back with the same report. No, they haven't changed. Their heart is still hardened. The pain is still real. The symptoms are getting worse. Keep going up. Keep going up. Elijah kept praying, said, go check it again. Go check it again. Call him again. Text him again. Pray for him again. Have another fast day. Go see again. Go see again. Because I know the rain is coming. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I need somebody to believe right now that God is working for you in the midst of this worldwide famine. 
I need somebody. I need an Elijah, a Tishbite of the Gileadites. You, you don't have to have a big resume or pedigree or a long lineage. Just, just be one of the inhabitants of this land who's learned to believe the Word of God and who's willing to obey the Word of God. Hallelujah. I need somebody to walk out of a dry and thirsty land right now. Come on. I need somebody that's in a dry and thirsty land. Come on. Come on. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Come on. God has commanded. God has commanded certain situations to sustain you. Come on. That's it. The Lord thy God is with you. As the Lord liveth before whom I stand. The Lord thy God is with you. And he's bringing you into a fruitful land. He's bringing you into a fruitful plain. My God, my God, my God. He's bringing you into a fruitful plain. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. We're getting ready to sing, but I want you to hear me. There was a lady one time that came to church, and and she was so tormented by evil spirits. And she would lash out in her seeking God, she would start screaming to the top of her lungs at the devil. She was screaming at Satan and she was fighting with all she had. And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said, tell her she doesn't have to talk to him one more time in her life. Do you know when Michael dealt with the devil in the book of Job, the Bible looked at the devil and said, the Lord rebuke you. And that's all he said. He didn't have to deal with it. He said, the Lord will take care of you. And that's, that's what we have to know. I don't know what you're going through, but you don't have to deal with the devil for one more day. He's not, he's, he's, he's insignificant. You look to Jesus. Lift your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord. You just look to Jesus and you praise him. You praise him. That's how you fight the devil. You don't even act like the devil's there. Lord, I love you with all of my heart. I praise you with all of my soul. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I believe this word, Lord. I believe this word. All across this house, from front to back, from side to side, in the balcony and down low. I want us, every one of us, to lift our voices, lift our hands, and praise God for the rain. Begin to praise God for the rain.